Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Writer's Parachute, guiding authors and writers to their writing dreams for a perfect landing. Today, we have with us an exciting guest. I am so happy to have John Lee today. He is an author illustrator, and he is joining us for a conversation about his two books, The Adventures of Joy Sunbear, The Blue Blue Amber of Sumatra, and his workbook, which is Big Changes, New Adventures, a COVID-feeling workbook. We're so excited to have John with us today. But before we get started, we have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to The Writer's Parachute. It's a YouTube channel. We also have a Facebook group, a Facebook page. And if you would like to follow The Writer's Parachute on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, it is at Writer Parachute with no S and no the. So please be sure to check the show descriptions afterwards where all of the links that we talk about in the show will be added along with uh John's bio and some information about his two books. So don't forget, as always, at the end, I will have a writing, publishing, marketing, or promotion tip for you that we're going to pull the rip cord on. So be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show, and we'll talk about that. So today, I have a question for you. It's the beginning of a new year. Welcome to 2022. And I want to know, what your word for the year 2022 is. Now, a lot of people talk about uh, having a word and that it's important to have that word to kind of keep you focused for the year as to your goals. My word this year is SOAR, S-O-A-R. Last year, it was flying high. This year, I want to rest a little bit and just soar through the atmosphere. So please be sure to add in the comments your word for 2022. So let's get on with the show. And now we want to welcome John Lee to the Writer's Parachute, guiding an author and writer dreams to a perfect landing. So John Lee has been drawing and creating stories for as long as he can remember. He is a veteran of the United States Army, a loving husband and father, a student of business and sociology, and marrying someone of Iranian descent. John always had a fascination with different cultures. When the opportunity to work on Joy Sunbear came along, John was so excited to be part of a project that could teach children about important values and the various cultures in our world through a fun and adventurous character. He hopes his writing and art will take kids on a magical adventure to discover themselves and the wonder of the world. Welcome to the Writer's Parachute, John. Uh, We are so excited to have you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure. Well, I have just a ton of questions for you. (laughs) So let's get started with just a few of those. And can you hold up those books just one more time? I have to tell you, I've read Joy Sunbear. I absolutely love it. It is a beautiful book. It is beautifully illustrated, well-written. And yeah. I did a little behind the scenes help for, for John and his wife on the uh, Big Changes, New Adventures, a COVID Feelings workbook. So uh, I'm so excited to talk to you today. So what inspired you to become an author illustrator? This is what everybody wants to know. 
Right. Well, I think for me, it was kind of chance. Um, I'd always been the creative sort, drawing, writing my own stories in my head, right? Um, and I've always been a consumer of fiction, video games, books, movies. I love it. Uh, and then when the creator for Joy Sunbear, uh, Blanca Carranza, came actually through a friend of ours, uh, met with Shireen and I, uh, she said, can you guys help me edit this story? I have this kid's book that I wrote. Um, you know, I've been a daycare owner and operator for years and I'm retiring and I really want to continue sharing the world with kids. Um, and, you know, while she was an op uh, daycare owner, she would share the world with her kids through music that she'd play, food that she'd feed them, arts and crafts that she'd pull from around the world. She's a, she's a globetrotter. And we said, yeah, sure. But, you know, Blanca, you have a much bigger story here than just one kid's book. Um, how about it? And she said, yeah, well, let's do it. So that's how Joy Sunbear kind of began. Um, and we in originally found ourselves doing Joy Sunbear as an educational website, which is still up, joysunbear.com. And kids can go and see uh, Joy's travels around the world and read his travel blog where they can learn about all the different countries that he goes to visit, they can learn about the cultures there, um, special sites, they can learn some of the language, they can learn about the food and the art. Um, it's a great website. And Shreen and I had dumped a ton of time into researching and writing these blogs, these travel blogs from Joy's perspective. So it's a very kid-friendly way of sharing the world uh, with, with your kids. And then we said, okay, well, uh, this was back in early 2018. So we really want to get back to his story. So then we uh, shifted focus and we got back to focusing on Joy's origin story. And that's how the Blue Amber of Sumatra came about. We had originally wanted to write a story about him going to another country, but we thought, you know what, we'll, we'll go ahead and start him at home and tell the story of how he learned about his magic and made the friends that he made. Uh, in particular, the magic red air balloon. That was a big thing Blanca always wanted was the red air balloon in the story. So if you've read uh, Joy Sunbear, uh, small spoiler. So if, for those who haven't read it, plug your ears. Um, he makes friends with a, a magical hummingbird who can transform into this giant red air balloon and take him places around the world. And that's kind of how uh, things kicked off. Originally, I was helping edit and I said, just, you know, we can do this. We can do something even bigger. Um, I kind of have a, a bit of a, I don't know if it's a bad habit of jumping in the deep end of things <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I blame my father for that. He, uh, I asked him when I was about five years old, hey, dad, how do you swim in the deep end? He said like this and picks me up and throws me in. And it's kind of been a theme for my life ever since. So, but we love it. Um, you know, I was the, I was the co-author uh, and illustrator for Joy Sunbear. Uh, my wife, Shireen, was a content editor for the, the book. Uh, my daughter was a, uh, I guess you could say, uh, market expert. She was very, you know, about eight or so at the time. And, uh, you know, I'd show her illustrations and read her passages from the book. And if I got a great reaction from her, I, I knew we were on the right track. Well, that sounds amazing. And before we move on, I just want to go ahead and repeat that website. It is an amazing website. There is Thank so you. much to see and do there. It is Joy Sunbear. That's J-O-Y-S-U-N-B-E-A-R.com. Mm -hmm. So go check that out, joysunbear.com. So I, I love this book and it has so much depth 
And in fact, I'm going to just stop right here and kind of read uh, the description for this book. I think you guys are just going to be amazed. Says, Joy has found an unexpected friend in a group of animals who fled the sudden destruction of their forest home. But his new friend and the rest of the newcomers are being blamed for the sacred figs that disappeared overnight. Joy finds himself on a mission to locate a mystical stone in order to prove that the new animals are not to blame. Along the way, he'll face many challenges, some put in his path by an unseen magical foe. He'll learn about compassion and respect and how to find the power within himself to save his rainforest from chaos and ruin. Perhaps he'll even help change the world. I love this book. So <laughs> where do you find the inspiration to write these books, create these illustration and the additional artwork that you have, your artwork is just amazing. I am so inspired when I see it. I, was, I am so not an artist other than writing. So I do appreciate anybody that can pick up a pencil and create something because my grandkids will tell me to just put the pencil down. It's too small. <laughs> don't want to go into that part of, of uh, writing children's books. And I, I think they're probably right. So I do appreciate that. So where do you find that inspiration to just keep going in so many different directions well you know they say you can't pour from an empty cup and uh i'm a firm believer in that so i i love like i said i love to consume fiction i love movies i love shows um i love comics i love uh, video games any any stories that i can take in uh i feel enrich what i have available in order to put into these into these books and you know another thing is uh i think we've talked about it once that there's no such thing as an original thought uh everything you you think you've been exposed to at some point in your life right so when it comes to creating and to making stories or making fiction in any way everything's sort of a twist on an old tale right but you can there's only you who can combine the experiences you've had into your unique stories and so I, I feel like that's that's kind of where I, I came from. Now, in particular with Joyce Sonbear, I was already working with specific themes, uh, right? Um, we had the topic of deforestation um, that was big in the book. Uh, we had the topic of, um, you know, preserving Mother Earth and, and whatnot. And in particular about uh, friendship, uh, learn, learning about what it means to be a friend. Um, but at the time that I was writing the first draft for this book, uh, we also had a rather major thing going on in the news, which was the uh, refugee crisis, you know, back in 2018. And that was actually a major um, part of the writing of this story. So in the very beginning, Tipa, the orangutan character, uh, loses her home suddenly. Now, I wanted to translate the experience of a Syrian refugee losing their home to war into something that wouldn't traumatize the children that read the book, but would also inform them. So we have the imagery in the prologue of the book where Tipa and the other animals from this part of the forest are just running around trying to, to get out of the way of this tractor that's just tearing down everything. And uh, there's, there's imagery of the tractor slamming into a tree next to Tipa and her mother and the tree exploding outward. And this was really the inspiration for that, was that Syrian refugee crisis. I was like, 
everything about Joyce Sunbear is about empathy. It's about understanding. It's about caring about the other people in the world who aren't you. It's about caring about their experiences, honoring their experiences, because everybody experiences something different, right? And I figured that a lot of the kids that would read this book wouldn't necessarily have any frame of reference to understand what a Syrian refugee would be going through when they came to their school. And I thought this is as good a place as any to share that uh, semblance of that experience, right? So that was a major influence for me. Um, in terms of the illustrations, really, it's just practice. It's the amount of time that I've spent drawing all sorts of things. Um, when it comes to things uh, like the, the cover of the book was actually inspired by an old uh, DuckTales comic book. We saw the cover where all the characters were hanging from this helicopter. And we went, <laughs> I said, hey, I can work with that. And so now on the front cover of this book, we have all the characters hanging from a vine. And it was just, it was a fun way of kind of reaching out to my childhood and putting it on the page in my own unique way, right? Um, so yeah, drawing from drawing from everything I've consumed, <laughs> mostly. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past, and for years, the years of you who don't know, John and I have been kind of in cahoots a little bit behind the scenes oh, together, uh, mostly me and his wife, Sharon. <laughs> uh, so... You know, I, you know, I had that same uh, idea and approach with my books. You know, we, we, uh, we were dealing with the homeless crisis. It was something I was having a conversation with my grandkids on a, on a, a regular basis. And I approached it in my books with, you know, the characters facing different ways to be homeless. We have the cat, you know, that was, you know, evicted from her home because they were not happy with her. You know, we have uh, you know, another character that basically just left home because it was a, you know, untenable situation. But again, you know, you have to kind of figure out a way to bring these concepts down for, you know, the reader's level, especially when we're yeah. talking in the middle grade area, which is where you and I both reside with our books. So, right. I, you know, it's always interesting and fascinating to me to find out what, you know, was the impetus what was the spark behind the scene that got you to that story so that was that was an exciting part to listen to that so i'm going to move on to your illustrator side a little bit more. so what tips would you tell authors about seeking an illustrator it's like i'm an author coach and i get so many questions about how do i find an illustrator how do I communicate with an illustrator? How much should I pay an illustrator? And I'm like, go talk to an illustrator. I'm not an illustrator. I mean, I can refer people to uh, illustrators that I know and love. But yeah. what would you tell them? So I think the best advice I could give for somebody looking for an illustrator would be make sure you feel a connection to your illustrator. It shouldn't ever be, the conversation should never be just one way. If you find an illustrator and you're, you tell the illustrator, hey, I need uh, a picture of a sun bear hanging from a vine on, uh, in a jungle, that shouldn't just be the end of the conversation because what you're going to get back is their version of what you shared with them. There needs to be a conversation, a rapport between yourself with all of your headcanon and the illustrator. And that illustrator needs to be able to show some interest in your perspective of what you're telling them. They need to get through to your motivations. They need to understand where your headspace is at. They need to understand uh, why this is important to you. 
Um, and if they are the type of person that's having that conversation with you, then you know you've you found a, a good illustrator. Um, you know, obviously checking uh, their, their history, uh, any illustrator worth their salt will have some kind of social media presence at this point, right? That's kind of unavoidable, either a Twitter or an Instagram uh, where you can go back and see everything that they've done. Um, a word of caution about that. I wouldn't always necessarily judge them just off what you see on the uh, social media, because I have seen some illustrators who what they put on their social media is simple, uh, fun little stuff. But then every once in a while, they'll post something like, oh, this is a commission job. I finally got permission to share with you guys. And it's this amazing piece of artwork, right? So find somebody who wants to have that conversation with you to understand why you want this picture the way you want it. Um, find somebody who's not afraid to give you some feedback. Hey, that's a great idea, Mr. Author, Mr. And Mrs. Author. But I think if we tweak it like this, you know, you might get a more impactful picture. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, find somebody who's willing to share plenty of their past artwork. In terms of budget, it really just depends on the illustrator. I know some illustrators who don't work very often and will do illustrations on the cheap. Some illustrators, this is their full-time job. This is all they do all the time. And if you want a chunk of their time, it's going to cost you, you know? So it boils down to, do you want, do you like their style? Uh, do you like what they put out? Do they, you, do you like working with them? Because you're going to have a lot of back and forth. They're going to send you a picture and you're going to be like, eh, this isn't quite what I want. I need to change this or that. Right. And most of the time you'll have a set situation where it's like, uh, you'll pay a certain amount for X number of illustrations. And then each illustration will come with a set number of changes or revisions. Um, and anything beyond those changes, you'll end up paying uh, an additional fee. Um, these are all conversations to have. And if you don't have an illustrator willing to have those conversations openly and honestly, find another illustrator. Right. And, and, and that is such great advice. Now, um, you are not my illustrator, although I do have to thank you so much for stepping up to the plate and doing my podcast uh, it's a pleasure. logo. I mean, he did an amazing job, just stepped up and filled that void and just did it for me. And, I, and I'm so thankful. But, you know, with my illustrator, I love my illustrator because, again, you know, we talk, we talk about the fact that I have no artistic skills when it comes to this. So I don't really know always what to tell my illustrator, but we've worked together for such a long time and I do let him have a lot of creative license. I just kind of tell him the story what it is I have an idea of, and then I let him surprise me. Now, this works great for me. Now, I know this is not going to work for everybody, but one of my best things that I tell people is to try, if you're not really sure, get a sample illustration. Be willing to pay that illustrator for a sample illustration. It may be money well spent because, again, yeah. their idea of what you want and what you visualize may be two completely different things. And, and, and yeah. I agree with you that there are so many illustrators out there that don't always show the full range of their abilities when you're seeing them on social media or on their website. So, yeah, I think uh, for myself now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm not drawing all the time. When I take a commission, it's usually once every few months, maybe. So uh, I have the time to do this and maybe not every illustrator does, but one of the things that I like to do is I like to get the description from someone and then I do um, my very, very rough draft. 
and I'll send back sketches and I'll say, you know, if, for example, I'm doing a logo or I'm doing a commission of a character art. I'll do my very rough sketches and I'll send them back to the person and say, okay, is this the direction you want to go? And if it is great. Okay. Now we'll talk payment. You know, now we'll talk money because I want to make sure that I can provide what they're looking for. Um, otherwise it ends up being a waste of both of our time, right? If I do a whole bunch of work and I create this, this piece of art mm -hmm. and it's not anywhere in the ballpark of what they have in their heads, mm -hmm. they're going to be like, I'm not paying for this. And then you've got a problem, <laughs> right? I just sank 20 hours into this piece of artwork and mm -hmm. this person refuses to pay. So it's a loss on both of our sides because they've lost that time. I've lost that time and nobody's happy. To me, it makes a lot more sense if I can say, well, here's the work that I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, here's my rough sketch idea of what you want. Uh, you can imagine where this is going to go based on my historical work. Is this what you want to do? If they say yes, great. Okay, now we'll talk money. I think this will take X amount of time. You know, well, here's, here's my fee for it. And then go from there. Now, again, might not work for everybody. Uh, but it's something that, uh, I personally can do because I don't do commissions all the time. I have a full-time job outside of all this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of writers do too. So they should understand that, but that is excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. So now we're going to jump back into the, the publishing, writing, book business side of it. Go back to your author side. So what was the biggest challenge that you faced or what parachute did you need to get published with your two books? So um, I think that uh, there was two main ones that I would refer to. The first one in terms of the publishing side, we decided to do it ourselves. We decided to self-publish through Amazon. Uh, this was a choice based primarily on time we didn't want to have to wait to keep pitching out to people. Uh, we knew that it would come at the cost of not having a big buck budget marketing um, uh, wallet available to us. But we decided that, you know what, we wanted more creative control. We wanted to maintain that creative control. And we thought that we'd just go the self-published route. There was a lot involved in self-publishing. And... Um, you know, learning how to use Adobe InDesign to complete the formatting of everything, uh, learning how to illustrate a cover and make it not look self-published because, I mean, let's be honest, most self-published books look self-published and we want, did not want that. So I, we spent a lot of time actually researching different covers, um, cover layouts, how to illustrate a cover, how to get the, the template uh, off of KDP, right, and work from there. Um, once we got all that down, the publishing process is not very difficult. Self-publishing process, not terribly difficult. Uh, the trick is learning everything without, you know, uh, paying a, an exorbitant amount of money to an expert who's willing to guide you. Um, it, the information's out there. It is possible <laughs> to, to, to gather. Um, but it was an experience. Uh, I'm glad, it, I'm glad we did it though. I'm glad. From a writing perspective, I actually took a fiction writing course before we wrote this book because we said, you know, we wanted to make the best thing that we could make. And being the, the first full length story that I was writing, I'd done short stories and stuff, but being the first full length story that I was writing, really wanted to make sure we were geared up with as much knowledge as possible. 
So I actually took a, a, a fiction writing course and learned quite a bit of things. Uh, one of the things that presented a particular challenge for me, though, was the idea of setup and payoff and keeping things relevant. Um, that old story of uh, if you if you show a gun in Act One, it needs to go off by Act Three. Uh, there's a lot to describe in a rainforest, and describing it while not focusing too much on it, but being able to highlight the things that become relevant later on, became a bit tricky. Foreshadowing was tricky for me, right. um, and so that that was a bit of a struggle. But I think we eventually pulled it off. One trick was uh, keeping up a, a list of topics that we bring up in on one side and labeling that column setup and then having a column on the right that said payoff so i know i could go down the list and make sure everything that i'd set up i made sure had a payoff later on right and and you know this this all falls under story structure foreshadowing you know um setup and payoff and it, it does become a little trickier, uh, especially, you know, when you're going from picture books to middle grade chapter books, because it is a longer story, you have more characters involved. Typically, picture books have one, maybe two characters. Uh, they don't have a cast. Um, so there's less things being brought up, and they're generally focused on yeah. one, uh, one event, whereas longer chapter books, uh, they do have more. So you do need to keep track of those. You need to make sure that you're not just filling your book with a bunch of red herrings that that really don't go anywhere they don't have anything so we're going to talk a little bit today about that in our um our tip of the week that we're going to pull the ripcord on so i'll give you a little bit more information on that and it's particularly hard when you're writing a series because you may not actually want to address all of them in the beginning sure. because you may want some of those to carry through in in the line of the story but we'll talk more about that so all these amazing things uh we're going to talk a little bit more about big changes new adventures a covid feeling workbook yes. that's an amazing thing but what's next for you and the joy Sunbear team i am so interested to see what you guys are going to do next so we are trying very hard to complete the video for our Kickstarter for our plushies. I actually have our <gasps> prototypes here Woo! with me. Uh, this is Joy and this is Tifa. And oh, losing the face there, Joy. <laughs> um, they are absolutely adorable and cuddly. They're about 10 inches tall. We're working with a company out of the East Coast called EcoDot. And they have been great about uh, communicating I actually did the, the design mock-ups and sent them out to them. Uh, we had several back and forths so while they made some changes. Uh, and these are the final prototypes. And we're super excited about them because they're very eco-friendly. Joy is 100% post-consumer recycled materials. And Tipa is like 97%. Um, I think it's her hair that, that they couldn't. Uh, but, they're, but they're sourcing well. Uh, they own their own factories uh, in China. So we know that the labor over there is getting a fair wage. And we're very, very excited. So uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the, you know, COVID kind of threw everything off for a couple of years now. And Big Changes New Adventures took a major priority for us. Um, and we'll get more into that, I guess, in a minute. But uh, so we, we kind of put off doing the Kickstarter. And then the holidays came and we're like, well, nobody's going to spend money on a Kickstarter stuffed animal that they're not going to get for six months at a minimum. 
Uh, so we're going to wait. But January apparently is a very good month for new Kickstarters. So we're trying very hard. We have the script written. We have to record the audio and compile the video. And then just about, they'll just be just about ready to go at that point. Um, on top of that, uh, I really, really want to get working on book two in the uh, Adventures of Joe Sunbear series. I've had classrooms, literal classrooms, asking me where it is. And I feel so terrible because I want to get back on the writing. Um, but like we mentioned, full-time jobs, uh, mine actually, without getting too far into it, mine actually got busier because of the pandemic and that slowed everything down. It, it kind of derailed book two mm -hmm. um, and big changes, new adventures stepped in, which is actually uh, the, the brainchild of my amazing wife shooting. And uh, big changes, new adventures really kind of expanded uh, Joy Sunbear in a great way. Uh, we've, we've gotten to this idea of taking all of the empathy lessons and all of the emotional lessons of Joy Sunbear, and we put it into this workbook to help kids process everything they were dealing with during COVID. And to be honest, a lot of adults. <laughs> and, <Hey>, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, the biggest shout out to uh, my, my beautiful wife, Shireen, because this, this was her idea. She saw what our daughter was going through and you know, she herself was experiencing a lot of things with COVID and processing all of that. And she said, I, kids need this resource. They need these lessons. They need these emotional tools and we can, we can give it to them. And Joyce Sunbear was just the absolute perfect avenue for it. So uh, we, we produced that. And eventually our goal is to create an even bigger workbook journal. I mean, this one's pretty big. It's half an inch thick. Uh, and it covers five of the major emotions. And our goal is to include some more. Um, some of the things we had to leave out because of time was things like grief and whatnot. So our, our, we want to make an even bigger workbook at some point, take a lot of what's already in here and expand on it and, and produce a more generic version. But really, this book is timeless. The lessons and emotional tools that are in here, we've had professionals who run mental health organizations literally tell us that if they didn't know better, they would have assumed that this was written by a professional, you know, because of the quality of, of material in the, uh, in the content. And we really want to do even more with it. So. Right. Well, it's, it's an amazing workbook. Like I said, I've been a little bit on the fringes and I'm going to give you guys the description of this. It is big changes, new adventures, a COVID feeling workbook. COVID-19 has been difficult for everyone causing lifestyles around the globe to change almost overnight. Those changes have been especially hard for children and not every child has the emotional toolkit they need to process those feelings. Parents are feeling the weight of these effects on their children as well, often struggling to balance changes at work with everything else that is going on. Big Changes New Adventures introduces your child to the fun, lovable characters from the magical adventures of Joy Sunbear and helps your child develop healthy emotional responses with fun activities, inspiring writing ideas, breathing and movement exercises, and mindfulness practice. Yeah. Joy, A.U., Tipa, and Kinti. Yep. I'm saying that right. We'll give the reader a safe place with friendly support as they learn about their feelings and how important it is to accept all the emotions that make up who we are. It is an amazing book. I have heard nothing but great things from uh, 
not only classrooms, teachers, the uh, the children's writing uh, community, but also from these kids that are using this and the parents that have been able to have this as a item in their toolkit to deal with what is going on right now because it is it is it's overwhelming for adults i can't imagine trying to deal with it as a child because so many things are being changed i mean just almost as we speak and they often don't get a choice in the matter so you know it's frustrating but I, i i applaud you for stepping up to the plate and providing this So we're going to move on just a couple other things here. Uh, We will have the links uh, in the show notes to go and purchase your copy of The Adventures of Joy Sunbear and also Big Changes, New Adventures, a COVID Feelings Workbook. But you do other work besides your own books. Thank you again for the logo. And have other services that you offer. So where can our listeners... uh, connect with you for, let's say, artwork, illustrations, that kind of work? I think the easiest place to find me would be on Twitter at John Lee Art Story. Um, if you are a, uh, a gamer of any kind, and uh, especially uh, with focus on uh, board games or tabletop RPGs, uh, I'm also on TikTok at Dad's Roll Dice. Um, that's, that's where I focus mostly on my, uh, D and D adventures with my, with my family and my friends. Okay. Well, that sounds great. And again, we will have all of those links in the show notes for you. I'm not going to try and spell those out, so. <laughs> but we appreciate <laughs> you sharing those. And then where are your books available for people to purchase? Now I know they can purchase them online. Are they also available in some of the retail bookstores? So it kind of depends on where you're located, but uh, if you happen to live in Temecula, California, uh, both Joy Thumbbear and Big Changes New Adventures, uh, I'm sorry, both Blue Amber of Sumatra and Big Changes New Adventures are available uh, in the Barnes & Noble there in Temecula, California. Uh, one of the things that we did not, fortunately, because of the pandemic, have an opportunity to do was more in-store, um, you know, book signings and whatnot to get us uh, more into the into the big name bookstores. Uh, hopefully, we'll get back to that, uh, especially as the series expands. But other than that, we're available on Amazon.com. All you have to do is search for Joy Sun Bear. Right. Awesome. So, uh, do you know if it's online? Uh, is it available online through Barnes and Noble or any of the other retailers? Do we know that yet? Um, I believe so because we're also um, produce. Uh, self-published on Ingram Spark. So they can order through there. All right. Well, that that's awesome. So we're, we're so glad. And again, we're going to have some links for you to purchase the books. Um, so if they want a signed copy of these books, would they contact you through Joy Sunbear? Absolutely. And uh-huh. if you happen to have a classroom and want to purchase them for a classroom, you can reach out to info at joysunbear.com. Uh, we offer discounts for classrooms in particular um, for big changes, new adventures. Uh, we, in fact, recently, through the help of some very generous donors, uh, both friends of ours and uh, people from my full-time job, friends and family, we actually donated over 500 copies of Big Changes New Adventures to the Child and Family Guidance Center in Northridge, California. They're a uh, mental health organization that helps um, underprivileged families. And uh, it was an amazing experience. So we're, we're all about getting these books out to 
the classrooms and the organizations that can use them. That That is amazing. You guys always humble me so much when I hear about all the things that you're doing out in your community and, you know, in the, in the children's author uh, genre. So if someone wanted to hire you as an illustrator or an mm -hmm. author illustrator or would like to contact you for a group event or for their schools, where would they go? So if it's uh, Joy Sunbear related, again, uh, joysunbear.com, info at joysunbear.com. Uh, if you want to email us, uh, all of the social medias, you can find us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Joy Sunbear. Uh, if it's for a different project and it's just personal, again, Twitter is probably the best place to reach me. Okay, awesome. So, and we, I think we've already answered the last question is we're going to follow you on Twitter. Are you on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Joy Sunbear and uh, also at John Art Story? On yeah, Twitter, Twitter is John, John Lee Art Story. Uh, Facebook, I have a, a, a professional uh, author illustrator page, um, but it's a, a little less high profile. Um, best place to follow us is, is Joy Sunbear's uh, social medias. Well, we are so glad to have you here today, John. Was there a anything pleasure. else that you wanted to share with us before we go ahead and move on to our tip of the day? Um, you know, I think that uh, you mentioned word of the year uh, as a, you know, your beginning question. Mm -hmm. I think I'll just share my word of the year, which is streamline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and that, that has a lot of implications um, from a, from a work perspective, you know, uh, really buckling down with, with plans and organization, uh, but also removing the fluff, removing the things that don't have a significant impact. Um, but that, you know, impacts the, that follows into the personal life as well, right? There's so much about that we feel obligated to do from one day to the next that sometimes you just sort of have to let the balls drop and stop juggling and, you know, pick up the ones that are most important. And so streamline, that's, that's my word for the year. Awesome. I love it. I, I wish I'd have picked something like that. Use a little streamlining in my life. Too. We all. Well, we want to thank John Lee for being our guest today, uh, for joining us here on the Writer's Parachute, Guiding Author and Writer Dreams to a Perfect Landing. Uh, can you hold up those books one more time? Let me try to do this without losing. There we go. Oh, all right. Awesome. So, and be sure to hit the like button, the share button, and to subscribe. And of course, go follow the Facebook group, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook at Writer Parachute. Um, next time, uh, we're going to go ahead and go with our tip of the day. And we were talking earlier with John about story structure, about the setup and payoff, the foreshadowing. And what I have to say about that is this is why it's so important to do an outline. When you are writing a story, you need to know what the motivation of your characters are. We talk about last week following the hero's journey. This is just a continuation of that. Once you figure out what the hero's journey is, then you need to structure the scenes around what it is that they want to accomplish, achieve, or bring back as the elixir at the end. 
everything is like the roads flowing to Rome. All roads lead to Rome. So all of your setup and payoffs should lead to that climactic moment towards the end or the ending itself. Now, there is a small caveat with that. If you are writing a, a series or a continuation of the story, then some of those you may not want to fully realize, but you do want to try and bring them together and sort of tie them in a nice, neat bow towards the end. So I hope that's helpful for you. Of course, you can always find more information on the writer's parachute about writing, marketing, publishing, promoting, and just in general, being a great writer, author. So I hope that you had a great time today. Again, don't forget to go follow us. And we hope that you'll join us next time here on the Writer's Parachute. And here's hoping all your writing and publishing dreams land on target. So until next time, thank you, John. We'll see you again. You. Bye.